0: Hey, Modern Commerce, welcome back. You're here as always with Casey and John. We're gonna be taking you through another awesome interview today. We're continuing on with our How to Build a Brand series. John's going to let us know how he's doing, first of all, and then introduce us to our guest today.
1: Yeah, man, I'm doing good. I am excited to have our guests today. Um, just you know a couple of fun guys who uh you know i mean that's what it's all about we just want to you know do some good work and have fun while we're doing it but they uh, they've built an amazing brand um they have invented the perfect gene so we have zach arnold and ovadia lavaton aka khaki carl is dead uh (laughs) from the perfect gene right here today boys
2: doing well what's
3: up
1: all good cool Cool. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, kind of continuing with our, our building a, a niche brand or building a brand uh, podcast uh, series, talking about how we build apparel brands, and there's a couple different kind types of apparel brands that we're we'll get into. But before we get into that, tell us. I mean, give give us the the rundown on on Perfect Jean. Why should I wear them? What's the background? How did it start? Uh, how did you guys get into this? Like, why did you decide to do this?
2: Yeah. Sounds good. I can start it out. I mean, the perfect jean is a high quality, affordably priced, super stretchy, awesome, not uncrushing (laughs) jean. That's (laughs) what we're known for, you know. We're freeing up the boys. That's that's basically the concept. And I mean, in terms of how it started, um, I do have a previous background in apparel um, in the denim space, so. Certainly took some time to analyze the market, see where trends were going. Um, Just honestly, visiting a factory, found this amazing fabric. Uh, Ovadi and I had sort of like met through previous projects, which we can talk about uh, a bit. Um, And honestly, like found this fabric, had the concept in mind, uh, and really thought this was the best thing to go ahead and bring to market um, for a direct consumer test. Uh, and there's, there's been a lot from, from there to here, but that's sort of where where it started up. (laughs) Yeah.
3: (laughs) Avadia, anything to add there, your background? Yeah, my background is, is in, um, I started my career on wall street. So that was kind of like finance and spreadsheets and numbers, which annoyingly is a big part of e-commerce and anything digital, (laughs) um, but starting like probably a decade or so ago, I've been in e-commerce and always kind of focused on, um, oddly enough, what I would say is the easier part of it, which is not making the actual clothes, which is pretty much the hardest part of all of it. Um, So my background and what I focus on is more on the paid social, the marketing site, ops, finance. Um, And Zach has been kind of focusing on the brand 10,000 feet of the brand, but also clearly the product. So um, yeah, that's kind of the that's kind of the way that this kind of worked is that I really firmly believe that you want to partner with a manufacturer or a wholesaler. And uh, Zach's like he was saying his prior experience has been in manufacturing and kind of wholesale. So he had this great fabric, great gene, and kind of the skeleton of a brand. And we had met through some other projects which were wrapping up. And he was like, dude, I got this gene. It's just right. Let's do it. And yeah. There's been some,
2: there's been a lot that's happened in the subsequent yeah, it. And it two and all... a half years, yeah. but yeah. here we are. <laughs> yeah, but it started off, I mean, like that initial photo shoot, right, and, and still some of our Central models to, the, to this day, uh, you know, we went out, we went to Central Park, we brought a bunch of our friends, just we're going to have a good time, shoot this product, have a lot of fun, And and that's fundamentally like where it started. A great right. product, a bunch of our friends, and like, uh, you know, diverse backgrounds, right? Mind right. and apparel his more so, and a lot of the analytics and e-commerce side of stuff.
1: And, and I mean, yeah, most listeners uh, of this of this show are e-commerce people, e-commerce marketers, things like that. Yeah. Um, if they're not, if you're not, if you're listening to this, you're not familiar uh, with uh, the gene already. Definitely go stock their IG, go stock their Facebook ads library. I mean, this is these guys do ads better than ninety nine point nine percent of D 2 C brands, and that's we're going to get into that in a second. Uh, but let's talk apparel right? because that's that's sort of what the series is about: is what are the different quirks and intricacies and difficulties of building different kinds of brands, apparel, food and beverage, you know, CPG that kind of thing. So yeah, in apparel, you know, what would you say? What what is what is the upside of building an apparel? there's there's certain things that come to mind for me of, of brands that we've worked with uh, but as you guys did, right like what what is the upside what is the you know why is it uh, i'll say easier what what makes it easier than other kinds of e- e-commerce brands and what makes it harder than other kinds of e-commerce brands
2: yeah i'll say i mean you know again my familiarity and even quite a bit of a familiarity is in the apparel space um so like again it was easy for us coming in because we had a background there um we didn't we didn't go into this with the concept that we were going to start like a a brand with a collection right we fundamentally found a core product that we could stand behind um and sort of pretty simply test a thesis right Um, So I think that was the most important thing going into it, and that's what has made sort of our our growth um, easier, and management of the business easier, and even allows us more time to be more creative on the marketing and ad front, right? Because we're going in, we're not selling the perfect gene as a brand, we're selling the perfect gene, the product, like that's... Sort of how we think about it, uh, a lot of the content and copy helps create that brand and supplement it. But we had this singular core great product. We started with X number of waist inseams and sizes to test it out. We've gradually expanded that in terms of sort of fits and various waist and inseams over time in relation to perceived demand, um, and that's what's made it easy for us to manage. Yeah.
3: I, I guess I'd add one or two things, just that the, some of the pros of apparel is that it is a massive market. Yeah. Like, there's not a lot of things that people buy more of than clothes. Um, maybe the benefit of the men's side is that it's a little bit underserved versus women's. Yeah. Um, the flip of that is, it's, you know, men are a little bit more particular, less particular about what they buy, but they buy less of it. Um, so if you can hit them and say, like, hey, I actually solved the problem for you, they're very receptive to it. Yeah. The other side of apparel that's really good is that it's sort of a consumable. You can't just buy one pair of jeans for 20 years like a mattress. Um, the Caspers of the world have that problem. Brilliant brand, brilliant company, great product. But at the end of the day, if you only need to buy the product once every 15 years, you've almost done too good of a job. So you need to buy a pair of jeans once a year at a minimum. Mm-hmm. So that helps us once you hook the customer in. Um, the downsides of it is that you have tons and tons and tons of SKUs because you have sizes, yeah. you have colors, you have washes. They get returned, there are damages, all that stuff, and that creates a mess of logistics and operations headaches, mm-hmm. um, which we approached in our own way. But again, you know, right. if you've never touched apparel before, be very wary and start small and simple because there's a lot of bullshit that you have to figure out and learn on the way.
1: I think so. Yeah. So it's. It- it's funny. I think a lot of marketers feel like they want to get into apparel, right? Because, fashion. fashion. That's how sense. you get the girls. In a sense, sometimes the ads are easy. The way you guys do them aren't, and the way that you guys are. I think there's actually kind of two different subcategories of apparel I can get into. But um, the, the, in some senses, the ads are easy. If it's fast fashion, like you know, hey, here's the shirt. You like it? You don't like that one? How about this one? How about this one? about that? You know what I mean? Um, and so a lot of marketers like that, but it's like, if, if you're not a logistical management person, like I'll give you an example, right? Like how many, when you guys kind of, I don't know when you started, but like, uh, let's say you guys got, have five products, right? Like yeah. maybe you have more than that. but Let's say you have five products, five different products, right? Five different types of jeans. Uh-huh. How many SKUs is that? How many SKUs? 3,000. <laughs> yeah. I'm
3: not even joking.
2: No, because yeah. It's,
3: yeah, it's a lot. Uh, right. it's, we have five. I mean, right now, I think we have 3,500 SKUs because we have five cuts, skinny, slim, athletic, slim fit, and boot cut. Each one comes in whatever, 10 different colors. And then I think it's up to about 40 or 50 sizes.
1: Especially yeah. in um, pants.
3: Especially, especially in pants because you have a waist, you have a length, you have a color, and you have a cut so however you cut the cake versus even a shirt which just comes in small medium large extra large whatever pants get problematic um yeah. if you can solve it and you can afford to actually stock a lot of uncommon sizes you get a lot of love from yeah. customers because it yeah. is not easy to find stuff if you're not shaped
2: like the average man whatever yeah it there's is. A, there's a it's trade-off so like yeah there's a trade-off there but like you know again starting out with the concept of the perfect gene. We weren't gonna exclude men of certain sizes. So it is constantly a work in progress. But, you know, eventually we wanna have the option to sort of dress everyone. Um, but that results in going from 26 waist to 52 waist and from 26 to 38 inseam. So we have, like, we have a couple seven-footers wearing our jeans and, you know, quite a few guys that weigh 80 pounds and quite a few guys that weigh, like, 350. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And see, so this is the challenge of apparel that I think most people don't think about. The upside, exactly what you said. You know, in a sense, it's consumable. And in in a lot of times, I I would actually say this, the best lifetime values I've seen, even more than consumables, is in apparel. The best lifetime value. Sure. Even it's a little bit of a cheat code because the best I've ever seen is in baby apparel, which is like that's a, like a double consumable because they grow. We
3: know we know a lot about that. Yeah. Yeah. that. That was the previous company that I that I worked at, and Zach was an investor and yeah. a partner, and it was called Kidbox. It was a basically stitch fix for kids. But the whole yeah. pitch to VCs is you get it you you loop a kid in at Three months and you've got them till they're eighteen or whatever. Yeah, it doesn't really play out that way, but theoretically, nope. yeah. It's
0: Sounds good as a strategy, though. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: And, I I think the ex- <laughs> Zero
0: three Yeah, months. it's
3: a great pitch, and you tell you tell VCs like, remember how old when your kids you know shat in their pants and whatever, and the diaper leaked, and they were like, yeah, I remember that. And then yeah. you know turns out every parent kind of experiences that and just buys clothes at walmart because it's cheaper but yeah, whatever right. that's a different story no, but
2: theoretically right theoretically you get a customer here at 18 to 25 and you have him buying jeans until he dies yeah. like that's even yep. better and we do what's a, <laughs> I mean we have what's 20, levi's ltv who are 70 plus yes.
1: yeah
3: exactly what's, what's levi's ltv and you know yeah, all that exactly. stuff i mean it's a. So I yeah. just got my, my uncle a pair. I just sent him a bunch of pairs. He thought it was the greatest thing ever. Because he goes, listen, you know, I'm a little older, my waist is a little yeah. bigger, my butt's big. He's like, and then he, of course, he goes, and I got big balls. So he's like, I don't I don't think it's gonna well, they, fit me unless it has some hang elastic low. to it. They hang low, exactly. Uh, do you
0: guys think it was a conspiracy by other jeans companies to start selling them already like ripped up and damaged so that the LTVs would go up? Because you used to buy a <laughs> pair of blue jeans, and they'd last like thirty years, right? Like,
2: yeah, I think there's a 100%. you know there's a balance there, right? No one's gonna stick with that brand if they start ripping and tearing right away, right? So it's like, <laughs> I, I guess in part, sure, um, but that's also like those jeans that lasted for thirty years were uncomfortable as hell. Like, oh yeah, um, no doubt. Different. They started as cardboard. I mean, they started as sandpaper. They sort of worn down to cardboard, and then you were, like, just wearing them constantly. They had a good, like, one-to-two-year period, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. right, exactly. So that's just not, yeah. I mean, it's just not what people are looking for right now. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately, like, once you introduce sl- slightly lighter weights, less rigid fabrics, they eventually do wear out. You just want to make sure that they, they're they lasting for, you know, a good period of time, right? you got to keep the customer yeah. happy to keep them coming yeah. back it's 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 an
1: interesting uh, it, it, i think another very interesting element of apparel right is yeah like, you do want people to buy and and replenish and stuff like that and and especially if you're going into something like jeans styles don't change all that much in jeans no. Compared, no. To things, compared to other things right, right? yeah still uh,
2: fundamentally the same product it's still same yeah. design so, I so mean, it's men's, like, men's clothing compared to other things doesn't change that much.
0: I mean, no. black T-shirt, when black you're t-shirt white T-shirt, white T-shirt. You know. <laughs> it's, yeah, so it's, it's we're all like a
3: bunch of idiots wearing the same clothes in the end of the day.
1: <laughs> yeah, so so like, it, but in apparel, it's in a very because it's like they have to feel like the you have to feel like the value proposition was right, right? Like when I put this shirt on, I'm like, man, I can't believe I only paid blank for this shirt. And I have to feel that for a long enough time that I'm like, that was amazing. I want more of those, right? But it can't be so long and so good that like I never buy anymore, right? Otherwise, you can't sell me this amazing shirt anymore because you go out of business. So yes, yeah. it's, it's an that's another interesting wrinkle.
2: Um, yeah, it's interesting. I don't think like you can't think about that too much. You have to like make the best product for a price yeah. that makes sense, and you want to make sure that it holds up to wear and tear and washing. Like mm-hmm. you can't definitively determine how exactly how many wears and how many washes it's going to take, like before yeah. the crotch blows out, or you know like. The rib of the, your t shirt ends up wrinkling, or whatever else. You just yeah, have to yeah. make an awesome product. Simply again. a
1: factor, like how hard the water is. Like, we have really hard water.
2: <laughs>
1: We're yeah. It.
2: So, yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> or what you're packing, you know, like the blown out crotch <laughs> thing. <laughs> right? oh,
2: yeah, uh, how sweaty your gooch is. Like, we can't, we can't really determine <laughs> that ourselves. Yeah. The average gooch. <laughs> average gooch You guys have so so a lot
0: is- of. You guys do we, a lot of research. We have to not researched. Right?
3: No. <laughs> no, Well, actually, no.
2: there is, <laughs> on social media, we receive a lot of customer feedback around it. We don't like, you know, take our own thermometer, but uh... <laughs> you don't like. You don't have like a container that you fill with,
1: like, oh, that's like one inch per hour. That's I think we probably
2: lab. should. That would make for some good social media content at the very least. Um, so we'll I can
0: already say this. Time. This is the most unique interview we've had, hands you know, down. This is
3: happening, by the way. This is going to be our project. Who's <laughs> yep. <Gooch Okay>.
1: temperature?
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: I like it. I, I think one of the things that's super interesting about apparel is is uh, there's sort of two ways about it, right? There's fast fashion, mm-hmm. which is typically means that you, like, as a brand, if you're a fast fashion brand, you don't necessarily have access. To any product that someone else doesn't have access to, right? Like you don't have a corner on yeah. a certain product It's sometimes like your builds of the world will sort of right, and they, so they sort of evolve. But usually, where it you know, or the, there's the other side of it, which is like you know how Chubby's has done it, how you guys have done it, where it's like mm-hmm. let me look at one product, one thing yeah. that people wear, and figure out how we can do that better, right? So yep. yeah, uh, a couple different entries into fashion with with background in what you guys have background in, like, was it because your background was in manufacturing and denim and that was the part that you knew, like, this was just the natural way to to get into apparel? Um, Or was that, like, a very conscious decision, like, we want to have an actual product advantage as opposed to just, like, a brand advantage?
2: Yeah, I'd say, I'd say the majority of my expertise, I have expertise in a variety of of different products in the men's apparel space, probably the most of my experiences in denim. Um, mm-hmm. I felt I feel most com- comfortable with denim as a category. Um, in terms of the competition that was out there, sort of the market share that we mentioned previously, um, the ability, also just to have fun with it and be humorous like stretch denim was something that was pretty easy to go ahead and approach with like mainstream comedy (laughs) which was great um so i think it was a a combination of of all of those things um and we we did want to sort of make sure that the product that we we were always going to start with the product first of all I don't think there would have ever been a chance that we were like launching a collection fashion brand, right? Right. Um, We wanted a thesis that we could clearly test that we could run ads, get data back and continue to take it from there step by step. And that's what we've continued to do. Um, It happened to be denim because that was like the better fabric that I found uh, at this particular factory. I have a bit more expertise there. There was a chance it could have been another category. but. Chubby's was probably like a little bit more innovative, honestly, than we were in attacking like short in-seam right. shorts. We were going after something that is fundamentally more of a commodity in a more established market, uh, and we were okay with that because of the of the landscape and our ability and expertise.
1: The main thing that you had to do was uh, change people's mind about a pro- product, which is the same thing Chubby's had. To do right? Yeah, yeah. people's mind about like, hey, Shelby's
3: had to create the market. They created products. it
1: that's that's good good We have
3: familiarity.
1: Yeah, yeah that's great. We had some
3: familiarity. It's a it's an incremental innovation versus kind of something that was a little bit more fundamental. Um so I would give Chubby's credit for that for sure. Yeah. But I think you need both the product and the brand. Like if you just have a product and no brand, then you're playing an Amazon game and that's great. You can make a ton of money doing that. If you yeah, just have a brand and no product, then you're playing nothing. Like a brand really, is meaningless. Yeah. A brand is a story. It's nothing. You can't sell it unless you have a product.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Like everything about the success of this business comes down to the fact that people love the G period. Like sure. The ads are great. Sure. We're having fun, blah, blah, blah. If people didn't love the product and there wasn't a market for it, like your ROAS is always zero. If no one buys it, no matter how good the ad is, it it makes no difference. So you need something that people like and will buy more than once. And like, that's the simplest, easiest, like most basic truth about retail.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good outlook on it. I mean, I think we've ran into a few brands that make the mistake of like worrying about brand too early. And Zach, yeah. one of the things you said right at the top was like you guys were selling the perfect gene product, not the brand. Yeah. Like, yeah. Especially when you launch, I think that's a responsible way to go about it. You know?
3: Yeah, for sure. Brand is about yes. distribution, but product is about selling. So well, like... you just
2: can't you can't assume that something that you've you sort of created in your head is going to resonate with customers, right? Like. Yeah. If you have knowledge about a particular product and you have a good way to deliver it to a customer, there's a degree of confidence there that you'll be able to succeed on the basis of the quality of that product and the price point. Um, I don't, I don't think we actually determined, we didn't fully determine our quote unquote brand, right? Until we had a decent sized audience. We were sort of yeah. responding to them. Uh, we knew humor would always be a part of it, right? That was always there. Um, Controversy, so. being loud. We knew we but, wanted yeah. to be loud.
0: that <laughs> yeah, That's one yeah. of the pieces of advice we've given several times on this show is, you know, establish your brand identity through performance, like find yeah. out what's working and be like, clearly this is kind of the, what we've developed as the brand identity. Don't decide like, well, we really wanna be like this right. and then just yes. chase after that, come so what may, may, regardless of the results, mm-hmm. it doesn't make any uh, sense. Yeah,
3: I mean, I'm on the record of saying repeatedly, this notion that there's some distinction between brand and performance is totally artificial. If I'm being mm-hmm. cynical, it's really because brand marketers are, perfect- are protecting their jobs. And I'm not saying that in a negative way it's important to have a brand but the reality is is there's no distinction and in the end of the day it's all marketing you can choose how you want to market but if you don't sell why are you in retail so if your brand is the most brilliant thing with the most greatest brand book and colors and copy and you do all this stuff right but your product doesn't sell who cares then go write a book and you know go paint it doesn't matter if you're in if you're in this business you're in the business to sell product and whatever the best way to sell product is who cares but the distinction between the two is false um you need to do both what is it what does a brand really mean and who cares it's kind of like it's an identity it's something we have always, we chose to be very flexible about what our brand is you can see it's not like we do know that it's not a hyper visual brand it's not like we don't have a graphic designer like sitting around (laughs) constantly fiddling with emails. Like we don't do that. It's like our brand is about engaging customers, telling them what our product is, convincing them to buy it or try it, really not buy it, but try it. And Mm -hmm. kind of just having a good time with it and having that come through. I think, you know, we we always from the beginning felt it was very key for us to have fun with it and for our personalities and the team's personality to come through like that's the real thing make sure people know that they're engaging with people not with some like brand powerpoint you know that's always yes. consistent like who gives a shit? like yeah
2: and then do the what works, like, do it resonates yeah go ahead and Sarah. then the anti like the anti-toxic masculinity portion became a pretty big part of it and a lot of that honestly was ref- first reflective of who we are and then secondly in response to a lot of the ridiculous comments that we didn't necessarily expect on our ad threads, so I that became very fundamental as part of the humor we were going to approach and attack. Um, but it it was very much in response to just ridiculous comments that we were seeing.
1: <laughs> right to what your market was, yeah, dead on. Yeah, let the let the performance drive who you're. You know. The, the people will tell you what they want to identify with before you can, I, I, I most often see, you know, and we're kind of going down this rabbit hole. I, I most often see uh, the predetermined brand play uh, in, you know, VC backed uh, venture backed type brands. And I don't know what yeah. you guys, situation is, maybe you are, but, but that's where I most often see it where it's like, you got, you know, that is how you sell the brand without a product. Yep. Right. The product that sells, it's like, yep. you sell it to an company, you know, so you sell a belief uh, and, and, and yeah, it's the they call it. Well, it's just a different way to do business, I suppose. You know, you could probably see that way as well. But. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, think, though,
3: it worked for some.
2: Yeah. I think, it, a, I think it sort of reflects, though, the VC mentality overall, right? Like, they don't need to right. succeed on every project. So if they're investing in consumer brands, they can invest in a series of different brand theses and be like... <laughs> If one of these really takes off this works fine for our portfolio right but that as an operator it doesn't really like i I wouldn't take that approach as an operator right yeah
3: unless that's a very important distinction what vc motivations are versus operator motivations are like we operate this business to be profitable and pay bills and make money and it's not necessarily about being a billion dollar branch because we have to we know that we have 10 in our portfolio and nine will lose. And one is going to cover the rest of them. Like. Right. So we're not spreading our bets on this particularly. So we have a very different motivation. We didn't take really investment. We have no outside investors. It's all kind of self-funded by parent companies, so to speak. But it's, um, it was started with a really very small and reasonable seed investment. And we just always committed to saying, it's either profitable or it's not and if it's not profitable on the first order we'll shut it down it's not worth it we're not playing the 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 betting game and it worked out and we kind of just bootstrapped it and started small and it grew 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 but we're not looking to be a billion dollar brand if that turns out to be the case phenomenal but it's not the goal it's just kind of roll the dice and react to it as they fall
1: Yeah. yeah So I want to hit it on a few things that I usually get on in this series of, of building a brand. And the first is uh, the intricacies of apparel, which which we've talked about. Um, the second is, like, I think, you know, there's this tendency to hear these, like, case study podcasts or these how huh. uh, podcasts. And they just end up being these case studies and these, like, yeah. you know, ideas of, like, yeah, this is what we want and, and stuff. And uh, and then some people are like, oh, I heard this person say this. I want to just do it exactly like they did. And, like, let me tell you something. You can't build Chubbies today, right? Like, no. <laughs> a, 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 <laughs> yeah. They have. A moat that they have is the time period. A different day. world. You can't build yeah. Chubbies today, right? You can't build Purple Mask today. Uh, not the same way. Right? Not the same way that they did. So, uh, what? Well, yeah, that's one thing I want to call out uh, for you guys is that I think that the, the thing that you have that's like, hey, you know what? You can't do exactly how these guys did because uh, – you have a background, right? Like a background yes. in a pretty complicated industry in terms of like we just said, you have five products and like 3,000 SKUs. If you yeah. are someone who doesn't have experience with that, like don't yeah. just try and go do what Perfect Gene did because yeah. you're going <laughs> to run into some, some trouble. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, I want to call that out too and say like, yeah, you guys have built, but like there are some stuff, some advantages in place that you guys have leveraged that yes. they're just not available to everybody
3: um we have cheat codes
1: like right. honestly yeah God,
3: we have cheat codes from our we've said this before from previous failures previous successes previous experience just connections mm. we have that are not available to everyone I mean we have financing that works really well for us um we both have experience kind of across a variety we, we've both also been investors we both Have like strong finance backgrounds. We both know what we're doing in apparel and we've seen a lot of failures in apparel. We've spoken to a lot of people struggling in apparel and we've spoken and we know a lot of people who succeed in it. It is a grind, it is hard, but when you hit it, it has a lot of upside.
1: Yeah. There's no replacement for reps. You
2: know, you've got reps. Yep. And the thing that we've got sometimes baffling to me are the people that succeed in sectors where they fundamentally like don't know their product which That's I just crazy. don't I mean it's a people do it I've seen people do it but it's just not it's so distant from what we've done here and really from what what you understand there are just so many intricacies about creating a gene and then even as you receive customer feedback right you also have to weigh that against your own knowledge and understanding right there there are little things like the depth of pockets or how long the fly is that just don't work for all people so there are decisions right. there that have to be made uh that just require expertise um and if you don't really understand your product and market uh i think you'll just have a difficult time scaling yeah
1: at least in yeah if, if you're trying to be an apparel disruptor for sure yeah you know maybe for some markets which is easier and i can kind of think about that uh, okay, but let's get into some stuff that you guys have done that others can. Let's not say replicate, but but like we're giving advice to people, and we're say, and you're saying, hey, here, here, this has been a key way of, uh, this is a key key element in our success, and you can do this too. I would say that the creativity and the like strategic approach you guys take to your ads, you make great ads, and you put mm-hmm. a lot of focus on it. And it, when I say great ads, I don't mean beautiful ads, right? I mean you yeah, make no. ads,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> get them to
2: the product. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Facebook's and biggest you know.
3: complaint about us is that we don't make any beautiful ads. I'm not yeah. even doing really. It. They're like, you guys need to do beautiful ads. We're like, why?
1: <laughs> well, I want to sell.
3: They're like, look at what Built did. We're like, okay.
1: Yeah. I'll pro- do you know? Do you know what built PNL
3: looks like? Facebook? i do not yeah exactly i don't either but
1: yeah i, I, mean, I know what our
3: P&L what it looks like so <laughs>
1: built, built is another one where it's you guys said at the beginning look the the core of this this works because people love this product i would say the same thing about built they're probably doing okay because of that right but
3: yeah yeah there's a lot of i mean like we do not think that we have had the exclusive formula for success in this we have a particular way that yeah. works for us and we enjoy um like we would not want to be doing photo shoots where we have like beautiful ripped sexy men without their shirts wearing jeans like that would not be so fun we have photo shoots where people are chilling drinking around laughing and they're They're hysterical they're ridiculous and cheap and it's like no stress and it's great and like we mess mess them up sometimes but whatever i just saw casey get so sad that he couldn't be a model for you because dude you could be a model for us anytime
0: my abs are too good though
1: guys
2: (laughs) we do not discriminate at all (laughs) i was gonna lift my shirt up but (laughs) yeah Yeah, i mean like in terms of learnings i guess that other people other people can engage with and perhaps help their businesses i i would definitely say first and foremost to not Necessarily listen to the people commenting on your ad threads, but to engage with them um, Mm -hmm. in some way. Uh, And you can take certain learnings from that. Uh, Again, I wouldn't say it's necessarily listening to them, because if you were listening to them (laughs) for our initial ad threads, we would have shut down immediately. We decided instead to sort of counter troll them as our form of engagement. Um, Right. But there are a variety of other ways to do that in, in other industries. I, I think it's important to engage with your early customers, see where they're coming from, see why they are or are not buying the product. Um, I don't think we would have gotten anywhere without that. And you know, we still reply to, I'd say 99.9% of comments on our ad threads to this day.
0: You That's know, There's an idea that we've said before on this podcast, and I don't know that everybody subscribes to this, but we talk a lot about ad creatives, right? Or just creatives. We say the word creatives. And when most people hear the word creatives, they think like that little box, you put like an image or a video in when you run like paid ads. And you know, like hey broaden your mind like there should be some like creative throughout your whole funnel right the landing page the home like you should have creative yeah. everywhere the word creative means something different i think you guys are taking that concept to like the ultimate and like replying like reverse trolling i mean who does that that like cheekiness that some brands do i mean that's a part of like the creative of a brand really the creative uh design i guess of the brand
1: Well, Radio Shack does it, but maybe you guys are- Yeah, like- If if you just
3: don't say the word brand and you don't say the word creative, it's personality. Yeah. It's just personality. Like take the word, don't mention the word brand again. Don't mention the word creative. Don't mention the word like funnel. It's just having personality that's somewhat consistent. Like people recognize that. And then you just, again, you have to deliver a good product. Period. I'm going to
0: say it one more time, but I, because I agree with you so much, we say that word creative so much. And some people take the whole soul out of the whole process. You know, you're just ripping from other like brands. And I'm like, hey, when does the like creative portion come around ever? You what? know, like throw that mm-hmm. term around a lot. Yeah. You know, and New York
2: actually just posted this article how like brands are getting hornier, <laughs> <laughs> which is great. Like that's great for us, right? We have a we have a flexible personality. We're sort of horny to begin with, but now I feel like we need to amp it up and <laughs> <laughs> just be, be
3: more. <laughs> yeah, the funniest thing is there was also an article about how Victoria's Secret went the other way, and everyone's like, "This sucks." Yeah, and they're like oh, yeah, what? Whole- we like the fun like yeah. they're like you don't have to you can still be diverse and be inclusive but we like the fashion show and we like having kind of ridiculous outfits you don't have to take that away and just go bland. yeah
0: it's you like, know what yeah, people yeah. don't like is when you do that for all the wrong reasons you do that just to exactly. be back like in boxes right. yeah. yeah talk about That's listening
3: really to right. to the comments it's like right. if you use that as an example victoria's secret listened to the people hating on them change their whole mm-hmm. thing and actually They had a massive business because they did something, and sure, they should adjust. Um, But, you know, they kind of reacted instead of thought through it and really engaged, and so they ended up listening to the comments, and it doesn't seem like everyone loves it.
1: If you really
0: believe in all those things, why be afraid to let some personality show to begin with?
3: Exactly.
1: Yeah, do you believe your product actually helps people? Like, do you believe that legitimately people enjoy your product and makes their life better? then your responsibility is to sell it as aggressively as you possibly can. yeah like you 100%. know and, and not to listen to the loud few right 100 um, so yeah so so let's tactically let's talk tactically a little bit yeah so you guys talk i mean you guys have always had good ads or you know was it like hey first round is man? Uh, or what, like, how, how did you, how did this develop? I know you said, Hey, we went and we did a photo shoot with our friends first time still. Some of those are our best performing ads. Like, I guess you kind of knew from a product standpoint right away that we're like, oh, we use humor. Um, but yeah, like how did this develop tactically, right? Like in terms of, Hey, we started here. This is what we noticed. And this is the shit. people who helped you along the way. Have you brought in certain agencies, certain outside help or
3: developed your own
1: internal processes for this or what?
3: It's a combination of all, I mean, um, one thing that I think is just absolutely critical for any brand is make sure you're hiring the right marketing agency, paid social, email, everything. Make sure you're like, you're going to make a mistake, but really do your due diligence. Meet the people who are going to work on the account, not just the sales guy. I mean, I, I I make it a point to make sure that I know the CEO of the agency that I'm working with and make sure that whoever that is, is, uh, invested in our account in some way. Um, it goes true with almost any vendor that you're working with, unless it's someone like Clavio or it's 100% not available and doesn't matter, which is sad. But mm-hmm. so if you have humans working with you, they're part of your team. Um, you're responsible for a relationship with them. You're responsible to make sure that they enjoy the work working on your account. They're not just people on the other end of the screen that you can yell at and kind of like grind down. Um, we work with thesis testing. Can't say, mm-hmm enough good things about them they're amazing Um, they do a lot of the heavy lifting and on ad creative we source like i I really would say the one thing that we did that was also very uh, not innovative it was critical at the time but like we knew from the prior business that facebook creative you have to be flexible on you cannot be prescriptive you have to just try things Um, the initial winning ad was um one of uh one of the women on zach's seen tugging on a G like a static image nothing fancy it was like the worst lit shittiest photo ever I mean it's it's a great picture but it's not photoshop it's not touched up it's not bright it's bland and that one like that was our twenty dollar CPA yeah. for the first six months like That's when we said, oh, shit, we have a business here. We figured it out. And that image scaled us to whatever. I don't know, $1,000, $2,000 a day of spend. And then we started sourcing. We built Creative Ops. Everything automated because we do not have a big team. So we automated Creative Ops as much as possible, like constantly getting 5, 10, then 15, 20 different creators sending us stuff. Thesis cuts it into an ad. Everything is somewhat thought out. It's not just throwing shit against the wall. We know our value props. We hammer them again and again at the agencies they or I or Zach write ideas and scripts. And like, this is what, this is kind of the general outline of what we want to do. So it's not just random. Yeah. Um, and then we iterate and thesis, like I give them credit. They have a testing methodology um, and it's smart and it works. And it's like, this makes sense. We test a the thesis, we iterate on it. If it fails, we move on. I, yeah, exactly. And uh, that was unintended, but good. Um, we test the thesis. If it works, we iterate. If it doesn't work we get rid of it i mean it was easier before it was like the formula was ugc cut up it's become a lot more interesting and harder i think tiktok has thrown a big wrench into a lot of creative because it's a radically different style and a different type of ad unit um and we're figuring that out but it's the same fundamental process it's like what works what doesn't work and the other thing that we do that i think is easy for us is because we don't have anyone telling us how much money we need to make or how much revenue we need to hit if shit's not working we scale it back like dramatically like yeah we've spent tens, twenty, 20 30 40 thousand dollars a day and you know two months later we're spending five grand a day and that's just to protect cash and be smart yeah. about it and it doesn't really matter because we don't have a lot of overhead so yeah. most of our costs are variable if we sell at a x ROAs, as we make money if we sell below that we do not make money and
2: it's yeah. that simple and then in terms of just like choosing some of these vendors or third parties to work with, uh, 3PLs as well, right? Like It's useful to speak to some people like us that have failed miserably in a whole series of projects before succeeding. <laughs> um, so like, don't just speak to the successful people that have only started one business, because they'll have a, a set series of vendors most likely or third-party providers that they've worked with before. Right, and they just assume they're the best. Like, speak to people that have tried and tested a lot of different avenues and, like, not always done well with them.
0: (laughs) You know, what you guys are talking about is not something that's new. Like, this is stuff that works in life, but sometimes people forget these things when it comes to e-commerce. Like, I mean, you guys are saying it in kind of a different way, really, but, like, you learn more from your failures than you do success. 100%. But people don't always I, like to n- think about it like that.
3: I I ask every single agency or vendor that we work with that's like a serious company. I was like, I want to speak to someone who churned from you. Most of the time they say no. And then I say, no problem, we're out. And they go, what do you mean? And I say, I want to speak to someone who fired you, basically. And I want to know why they fired you and see if it was a good reason or not. And I'm like, I'll give you the flexibility to pick someone. Yeah. Like, so, you know, you don't have to pick your worst client ever, but if someone's unwilling to let me speak to someone who fired them, it makes me nervous. I want to know why. doesn't mean I'm not going to pick you. I just want to know why other people don't, or if they won't do it and I still want to work with them, I'll hunt down someone who fired them and find out why. Like, you've got to know both sides of it.
1: Yeah, no, I, I actually like that as a policy, right? Like, can you refer me to somebody who's a new churn, right? Like, and, and, and honestly, yeah, Casey and I are agency guys, you guys know, and... And as you say that, it's like, yeah, if you give me the flexibility to pick someone, of course, I can refer you to someone who who, who fired us that isn't going to have bad feelings about us, right? So I don't think it's too big of a enough, honestly. Um,
3: yeah, it's not crazy. No. And it's like the other thing that I think is important for people to think about is the term of your contract. It's like, mm-hmm. I, I do not believe in signing 12-month contracts on anything. Like, it's a hard, fast rule. Sometimes it'll be three months but really we don't go more than three months because you don't want to be locked in and i tell anyone that we sign more than a three-month contract with if i'm not happy i'm going to break the contract and they usually choke a little bit
0: and -hmm. they're
3: like what do you mean (laughs) you can't break a contract and i'm like and it happens and it's like i'm sorry (laughs) if you work with someone we work with someone and I just broke the contract and I signed an NDA, so I won't say who, but they foundationally <laughs> changed their product. Like it ceased to work for us. And I was like, you guys changed it. I don't, I don't wanna work with you anymore. What do you mean? And they're like, no, but you have a contract. You have to buy it out. And I was like, you're out of your mind. But yeah. like, keep your flexibility, things change, things break, just like make sure you're flexible and the people are working for you and you're not working for them. Like it's pretty yeah. important because protect your cash. It's like yeah, we're, like 10. I, I, we're, we're on the agency side, right? So so uh it,
1: it like a lot of the stuff you're saying, I'm aligned with. I I agree with how do you and is, so so this is kind of a you know down a rabbit hole kind of question, but your and I think we were talking off off camera about this, the agencies that work with you guys and, and, and have worked with you for a long time, they enjoy working with you, right? Like you guys are good clients to work with. So talk about that too because i mm-hmm. think that a lot of brands i and of course as an agency person i'm like i think a lot of brands need to hear here's how you actually be a good client of an agency
3: right and be mutually successful together um yeah. that's there i mean the your your when you think about facebook ads it's like so simple these the agency that you work with as your credit card and is spending thousands, if not tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars a day. And you better make sure that those people, like, A, are invested in what you're doing, that they don't think you're an asshole, that when you have thoughts and ideas, you can go to them when you need to, like, yell at them a little bit, that it comes from a place that's real and, like, respectful. And most important, that, like, you're, you're talking the same language and you're on the same page, because it is very easy for, like, you guys know this, if people who are working at an agency have a very hard job, you got, you're responsible for performance, you're responsible. I mean, like I tell I tell the guys this, like not in a while because we get it. But like you're basically paying people's paychecks. Like if you guys screw up Facebook ads for six months, people lose their jobs and like people, you know, like that's just how it is because brands fail and like that sucks. But yeah, they're your teammates. They are not your vendor. They are your teammates. Um you just want to work well with them. You need a good relationship. You can feel free to change around the count teams if it's not vibing. But, oh, wow, Zach. we lost Zach. But um, it's so, so critical because you're also going to have to ask favors. And sometimes people need to work weekends. And sometimes people just need to hustle on shit. And you want to be able to go to someone and say, hey, I, we have a good relationship. I need a solid here. It's true on the warehouse. It's true on the agency side. It's true with anyone you're working with. Healthy relationships really, really work better than kind of just bossy, do this, better Roas Like,
0: what right. are you going
3: to really do? You need to work together. Right. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, just apart from like the human element of just having good relationships with people you work with, I think alignment is like kind of bringing it to like, to like the business. Like, what are the metrics we're all looking at? Are we aligned on everything? Um, I think that is of oh, the uh, utmost importance and that can kind of make sure that some of those things don't get out of hand, you know, cause sure. I think we've all seen that from both sides, whether you come from agency or the brand side, we've all had, we've all seen people who suffer from that, like the grass is greener on the other side kind of thing where you go there. like, Oh man, I got to get out of this agency. I just want to be internal. It must be so easy Or somebody with an internal brand's like, man, I should just work for an agency. All you have to do is X, Y, Z, like, yeah, it's yeah. Just never the way we think it'll be on the other side.
3: Yeah. yeah dead on so i lost you guys for a minute
0: i don't know Uh, we're good we're still we're still good here i think yeah we're we're good we're
1: still recording and going through but anyway yeah no so i i that that's a good that's a good conversation right because it's like you know we don't talk about it very often as an agency it's like this weird topic to approach like hey here's how to be an actually like a good client and have a successful relationship with an agency because as an agency it's hard for us to be the ones that says that or say that right um yeah. so uh yeah kind of kind of starting to wind down wrap up here so one thing i, I would like i'd like to ask every every guest is uh what do you think right now um zach since it looks like avadia i think yeah. i think is i think his device was dying which is why i put that into the chat. maybe that's yeah maybe that's what's going on i started fiddling well, around was, but my exactly. device was all right
3: you can add them. To the Am I back? I don't know yeah, what you're... happened. I don't know if it was me or someone else, but yeah, you I did know. <laughs> device. Device good.
1: Your device. I got
3: thirty-seven percent. I got the juice. I don't know what happened. We got juice. All
1: right. So, so one thing I like to ask all of our guests is, um, what is something that right now today uh, Perfect Gene is doing really, really well, what is something you guys feel like? You could be doing better, and and that is important to actually do better. Like, we're not doing this well enough, and it is, and it is important. TikTok, TikTok, you're not doing. That. <laughs> that's the answer. To I don't know if anyone's
3: word. really doing it well. I mean, that's number two. We're I, we're not doing it well. <laughs> no.
1: Yeah, and it seems
3: it.
1: somebody is. Yeah, I can
2: confirm there
3: are brands doing well on TikTok. Yeah. yeah true. Uh, so I'll, I'll just say this. I've been on a rant about this because we wasted hundreds of thousands of dollars last year and this this year on it. where We didn't have the ROAS and I think we made good ads and we just had a few like good friends look at it and they're like, oh, you spent your money too soon. And I was like, what does that mean too soon? I was like, so then I'm just going to wait until everyone else is showing good ROAS. I don't need to be first to platform for like parity with Facebook, but like there's obviously a billion some odd people there. And you know, we're giving our data to China anyways, so we might as well make some money on it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh yeah, no. Uh, I don't uh, you know, it, it's it's a renewed focus now that I've heard. I, I literally asked every D2C marketer and agency over the past three months, are you do you have a good enough row as on TikTok? Everyone hemmed and hawed and said no. Nope. And the brand said we pulled back spend. Every single agency CEO said oh yeah it's the best thing ever you should be spending money there i was like the incentives are not aligned here something's funky but um like there's a billion people there i have like dumb theories on why it's not working so well um i also think that a lot of people have found like five winning ads that ran for seven days or two weeks and their total invest their total revenue over total investment is actually miserable and i don't think they're thinking about it that way because i think a lot of people have boards and bosses who are saying You better make TikTok work. So they're figuring out how to tell the story that TikTok is working. But um, I know that some people are having success. I do not think there's broad success in men's apparel or generally in apparel. I don't think there's broad success in D2C. I think success there is an outlier based on the conversations I've had. I know Mm. some people are winning. I wish I was one of them, but we have not cracked the code yet. But we yeah. will continue to try.
1: I'm a, I, well, yeah, I have lots of Feel to free
3: say. to pitch us on it, John. Yes, yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. I just I gave know. you a layup. I just <laughs> gave you <laughs> like the alley. You you put put it up on us <laughs>
1: yeah, you lo- you lobbed it for me. Uh here's my problem as an agency person is that like I'm I sometimes feel like I'm about to give myself like one of those humble brand compliments. I sometimes feel like I'm too honest. And I literally mean that. Like sometimes I say the thing that, like, doesn't get me more business, right? Like, because I'm yeah. like, that's my opinion. Um, so you're not, you, you, you actually, a lot of what you said is right. So here here's a couple things with TikTok. Um, first of all, success there, I've not seen, okay, there's, there's, like, one case I can think of of a brand that gets, like, very consistent success on TikTok. But what by success, what I mean is, uh, on like a clicks basis, it drives a similar ROAS to Facebook at about a fifth of the scale. Okay, okay, solid, yeah. well, supplemental channel. You know, uh, but yeah. Google, yeah, Google, YouTube. I mean, YouTube, so much more opportunity. And I don't know if you guys do YouTube, so much more opportunity there, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, what. So, so then here's another success metric. So uh, there are other brands uh, that sell higher ticket things uh, yeah. that take multiple touches. And TikTok is a good first touch point. And, if you, and by any way you track multiple touch attribution, which is hard, MTA tracking is hard, but like there are some brands like, look, no matter how you cut it, this is a good first touch point. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It contributes, right? It has, talk, But we can't scale it independently. Yeah. Number three scenario is exactly what you said, where probably you know somebody's going to come at me and say like, "Yeah, well, you suck at TikTok if this is if these are your numbers." But like ninety percent, nine out of ten ads, maybe nineteen out of twenty ads you launch just aren't that good, right? Like they just don't perform. Right. And and I mean for some brands it's probably forty nine out of fifty or ninety nine out of hundred. But that like one will like really slap and it'll scale hard for seven days, like you said. Uh, it'll drive a lot for seven days. And then you're just in this cycle of test, 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 test. Oh, that one slapped, go, right? And then there are some brands that get that oh. to happen on a semi-regular basis, right? It's every month or two months or three months um, or something like that. But but yeah, so so those are the three scenarios for success. No, I,
3: I think what you said makes sense. I think like it's an interesting question. There's two things with that that I would say or three things. One is contrast to Facebook, whatever, 10 years ago when it was young, you could just throw shit at Facebook and you were making bank, you know, 5x row as 10x row as bananas because no one else knew about it. TikTok mm-hmm. has a very different dynamic as a new ad platform where that I really don't think that TikTok itself has nailed the ad unit, the algo, and it is not like a it is an amazing platform. It is not prime time for ads yet. So I am really thinking hard about, do we want to be one of those brands that has to test 49 assets to find the winner? That seems like we didn't build our creative ops to produce that much creative. We do not have a team of 10 creatives. I don't want to hire 15 agencies. It's just getting into be a bigger bet than we really want to make. Um, So I sort of, if the the ROASs are at best parity with Facebook, I'm very happy to wait until the platform matures and it's kind of like a little more consistent. Um, I want to sleep well at night and not worry if our through 2,500 or 5K or 10K a day TikTok spend is going to lose us 100 yeah. grand this month. Like, I'd rather spend the next six months making brilliant YouTube ads than making TikToks. Yeah. Um, probably a controversial opinion, but I just think there's way more scale. I also just see how good Google's algo has been at targeting. Um, like on some level fundamentally the best ad platform ad platform is the one with the best pixel penetration and if you're talking about pixel penetration it's facebook and google and then mm-hmm. it's who has the best machine learning and audience targeting and who's getting around mm-hmm. privacy stuff and i don't know that tiktok's there yet yeah, um nice. not for nothing i think there actually is a lot of risk that tiktok gets somehow politicized um yeah. but we'll see so i don't know like the, Google and Facebook are here to stay. just work and if, there.
1: if the rest of your Google strategy is strong, right? Like if you have, you know, we get really great results and we can scale on, you know, Pmax and shopping and, and even maybe display discovery, whatever. Um, yeah, YouTube is like, you know, it's, it's, it's a great opportunity to scale. Yeah. That's the struggle with Google is oftentimes it's really good returns, but it's tough to scale. You know, school, tough to scale. Campaigns aren't going to have a sort good of last click attribution is like, you know, your shop campaigns, but it feeds, it it does have better last click attribute. It does have good last click attribution. And it really directly and noticeably feeds the other Google type
3: campaign. A hundred percent. So a hundred percent. It's so, it's so important to look at Google on, like we look at Google, first of all, in platform, then we look at Northbeam first touch. Click only, click and view. Like none of them is right. It's just different dimensions to get a sense of what's going on. Let's just say you want your data to be a Rubik's cube, right? um, like look at it ways. All right, what's something you do exactly? Oh. There's no right answer. Yeah, you don't do TikTok well. We're, what do you? Do? We're pretty self-deprecating. Um, we do nothing well. <laughs> no. <laughs> nothing.
2: Nothing. We do medium. nothing we, well.
1: You you uncrush <laughs> people's nuts well.
2: You're good at. We have a good. Yeah, that we do. Yeah. We, yeah, we, we ship a good product we get it to their door you know by any means pa- possible i wouldn't say we necessarily do that well because we fall victim to the carriers so yeah. even that part can be a Ugh. bit of a struggle <laughs> i would but I, uh,
3: if we have to yeah. brag i would say given that we have no full-time logistics person I think our logistics work fairly well, relatively, but it's such a pain in the ass. We work with the 3PL called Mason Hub. We like them a lot. Yeah. Um, they could be cheaper, but what am I gonna do about that? <laughs> but we have no full-time logistics <laughs> person. So, you know, I don't know. We wanna hire someone to manage great. them and deal with that shit. And like, yeah. they just do a good job. So like, we're pretty happy about that. Oh, we're um, very proud of our returns. I'll say that. Oh yeah. We're good yeah. With returns, that's important. I just spoke to a brand, like the $100 million brand, and they're like, we don't do exchanges, it's too hard. I'm like, that's idiotic. We do thousands yeah. of exchanges a month. It's just free yeah. money. I mean,
1: it seems like you have to, if you sell jeans, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, it's
3: impossible. We sell
2: stretchy oh. jeans. Okay. Yeah, you guys do- It's impossible do- to get the fit right every it's time. impossible. Every exactly. customer, it's just not not a possibility.
1: I'll bring for you guys from a marketing standpoint, you guys do Facebook, Instagram ads really well. And we've said it throughout the whole time, but, but like, you know, I can't stress it enough. Like you guys have, are essentially built on, on one channel and then, you know, you've expanded, right. You have yeah. probably retention channels. You've expanded to Google, but it was like, Hey, this is profitable from order one. And the reason it was, or has, been yep. is because you guys are just really good at understanding that platform and uh and, and reaching people getting their attention and them. i would say that you're good at that um that's something you're doing well. all right so <laughs> ra- wrapping up here last thing we do is we do a little parting shot i think i skipped it in, a, in an episode just barely uh but we do a little parting shot so basically this is kind of like hey you know what like throughout this conversation what has occurred to you what is you know if you're going to kind of say hey most important thing if you don't you don't learn anything else listening to this episode. If you don't learn about Gooch Sweat or anything, then uh, then then learn this. <laughs> we'll we'll let both of you take a shot at it.
2: All right, I'll go with the parting shot. Let's see here. I mean, I think overall, reflecting on the discussion, um, again, I think it's it's very important to, again which I mentioned before, speak with people that have both failed and succeeded in various avenues, people that have experienced both running aspects of their company in-house and working with third-party providers. Um, and then, you know, ultimately having an open mind in terms of working with those providers, working with whoever's running your ads, working with who's ever running the 3PL. I mean hopefully you're working with people with more expertise than you that can teach you a few things. um, And don't, don't ultimately like hold on too strong to your, your premonitions or thoughts. Like there are always people that can do things better than you can um, and have more expertise, uh, more time in the space uh, and just, uh, just take the time to listen to them.
0: Very nice. You're up. Already- I, I didn't
2: hear
3: the question. I dropped off. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know. I mean, really, really, really e-commerce is a grind. There are so many little things you have to do right and not just right. You have to do it well. Um, try to pick a product that you enjoy, work for a brand or create a brand that you're having fun with. There's some passion. Don't take it so, so seriously. At the end of the day, you're just selling shit. It's like a very great job if it's working and it's kind of the worst thing ever when it's not working. Um, So make sure that you're enjoying what you're doing because you need to put a lot of energy into it. Make sure that you enjoy the people you work with. Um, Make sure you know your cash. I think that's also like pretty much the most important thing and you're aware of what's happening to your bank account because when the cash runs out, uh, the Wi-Fi runs out. Yeah, (laughs) you turn off the internet. Um, But yeah, it's really like, this game requires a lot of passion and energy and hard work. And it's a grind the, the rewards are really great. Both, you know, financially they can be great. And also just, it's very fulfilling um, to do something and kind of build a machine that works and runs, um, but make sure you're having a good time and there's some yeah. passion. Cause if it's not, it really sucks.
1: I love it. Yeah. I, I ran track in college uh, and like it was mm. all American. Uh, I would say this about anything it, like it was you know it's the most important thing in the world to you when you're doing it yeah. and uh, but i like, you know a friend of mine used to say like hey let's not take ourselves too seriously like don't forget we're just running around in circles here like yeah. <laughs> that's a around. great it's, analogy it's life
3: it's life that's uh, great
1: yeah all right cool well thanks yep. so much for being on guys it's been a lot of fun uh casey say all the youtube things
0: Modern Commerce, thank you for joining us on the channel today on another one of our interviews. We really appreciate it. Please drop a comment in. Hit that like button if you liked the video. Hit the subscribe button so that you're one of our subscribers. YouTube uses that to help send our videos to the right kinds of people so that it can, you know, hack that algo. Um, Hit that bell icon to get notifications about whenever we drop new content onto the channel. And as always, until next time,